This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. And a hey now to you. Hello. How are you? Okay, um, much better, like more improved. There's definitely some improvement here happening, people. So this is good. And thank you so much. So many messages. Holy cow. From different things that other people have tried to people telling me about their mishaps and incidents and someone else got a concussion falling down the stairs once. Oh, my stuff. God. So, man, I feel you like. You on your head? Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah. So it's I'm a hell of a fall. That's that's a that's a tumble. That's a Jack and Joe went up the hill kind of situation. Um, yeah, so I'm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. I know this. I know this, but I, I do appreciate um, all your DMs, and I am feeling better. So I think slowly I'll get there. I think by the end of the week I'll feel much more myself. All right, that's good. Uh, let's see here. We have a lot to talk about in this episode of After Nine, and we're going to start off with a little bit of food news. But before we do that. Great opportunity here because producer of the Scott and Cat Show, Octavia, is in the pod studio right now. Hey, Octavia, how are you? I'm good. Good. We're going to start really leaning into this tomorrow on the radio show. You're doing something great on Saturday for a very good cause that I care a lot about, Special Olympics. Freezing for a reason, you're doing the cop's polar plunge. Yeah, I've never done it before, so I'm a little nervous, and I'm generally cold all the time, so maybe I'll just be acclimated already. I don't oh, know. <laughs> interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Are you, uh, have you asked how cold the water will be? Is it ice cold, or is it just like room temperature that's outside? What, what is it? I'm going to guess it's just like hose water, so it'll be cold. I don't know. I don't want to know. I'll find out. One way or another. You're not going to, like, dip your toe in first or anything? No, no way. Smart, smart. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, and and are you going to, like, dive? Are you going to do a cannonball? Are you just going to sort of slide in like you're going into an ice bath? How's it going to go? I'm thinking, I don't know, just a little hop. A little hop. A little hop, Cool. Are you going to be clothed or are you doing, like, bikini? Uh, no, I think we're doing like jerseys kind of thing. Jerseys. So. Okay. There's a couple people from the staff at our Kitchener radio station, 91.5 The Beat, that are going to be doing it. And this one is the Waterloo Regional Police Polar Plunge in support, again, of Special Olympics Ontario. There's a way that people can donate. They can, you, you're doing this as a fundraiser? Yeah, I mean, I can post it on my social media and whatnot so that people can donate, put the link out there. So. Do you want the After 9 people to follow you? We can promote your Instagram if you want, if you want the link. I, I mean, sure. I, it's at Octavia Radio, right? Uh, yeah, Octavia.radio, I think. Okay. So. Okay, everyone, if you're able to help, and I know not everybody is, but if you're able to help, Octavia is, who's perpetually cold, is going to dive into freezing cold water on Saturday for the Special Olympics. It's the Polar Plunge, and if you're able to help, please do it. That's great. Good job, Octavia. Let me know how that goes. Will do. Oh, maybe people are wondering, hey, why aren't you doing it, Scott? I have another meeting that day. Of course. No, I, I seriously, I do. It's a lacrosse meeting. It's I great. might pop by. I might pop by. Really? It depends. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. It's my, my daughter's birthday. I have back-to-back parties for her. Wow. So I don't know if I'm going to have time. But I want to. I want to. Okay. We'll see. Let's do a little bit of food news. 
And then we're going to get into, uh, let's see here, uh, the Online Harms Act is new. We're giving a lot of money to the universities, and somehow the cost of hosting six soccer games has jumped to $380 million. All that and more coming up. But first, you know how in Uber they have surge pricing when it's busy? Yeah. Uh, the price goes up. Yeah, I've been caught in that scenario. And boy, oh boy, there's quite the difference. Okay, that's that's messed up. And the surge pricing is nothing new. The 407 is even doing it. Yeah. If you go on the 407 at peak period, you pay much more than if you used it overnight. Same with an Uber. And now the fast food restaurants are getting in on it. And it's not like a small one. It's a major one. Wendy's has announced they are going to be replacing all of their drive through message boards with digital ones like they have at McDonald's. And they say once they're able to do that, they will have the capacity to display dynamic pricing that fluctuates throughout the day. In other words, if you want a Baconator at 5 p.m. peak period, it'll cost you a lot more than if you have a Baconator at, say, 2 p.m. when it's not as busy. Is that fair? I mean, no matter what, it costs them the same amount of money to make a Baconator. Is it fair that they raise the price during well, peak periods? Okay, so here's, I have questions. I mean, I have questions because why, when you're raising the price, it's different when you're talking about certain surge pricing in like hydro, for example, because the grid, you know, you want to try to even out the grid and hydro, for example. That's the reason why they have peak pricing. For this, where's the money going is my question. Is the money going to the employees? Because any shift they take, they might get paid the same amount. But if they're working an extremely busy shift, Maybe that would be a good way to make sure that you secure the staff that you need at those busy times. I think about working in a restaurant, which is different because you usually get, you get tipped in restaurants, so it's a little different. But in the, in any kind of service industry, they don't care how busy it is or how not busy it is. You get paid what you get paid. So where's the money going? That's my question. Are they, like, it's not like when they're upping the price, the money's going to who? They're keeping it. Yeah. This see, is to increase profit. I, I'd be okay with it if it was like going to an employee to make sure that they got the hustle on. In those hours, or if they're finding that they're losing staff members because it's so busy and they're like, I can't make, the, can't make these many Baconators all in one. Ah, it's, it's a lot. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this. Um, however, if they're really that busy that they don't care that some people may not go, period. Like some people, for example, wouldn't go unless they go at 5.30 p.m. Let's say that that's their busy time. So then they're probably going to have some people who just don't go. Yeah. So they're running a risk there. I think they are too. Hey, there's certain people that get breaks at certain times. And if your break is, say, 6 p.m. till 6.30, that's prime time when it's going to be the most expensive. You're getting screwed just because of when your break happens to be scheduled. And there's a lot of examples of when some people just might not be able to take part in it. I I'm also wondering at what point we reach a breaking point where people have said, you know what, I'm not willing to pay any more for a Baconator combo. I'm not willing to pay, say, more than $11.99 for a Dave's original combo. That sort of thing. Because mm -hmm. the prices are getting fucking crazy, cat. Oh, for sure they are. There's, I wonder about... Um, so I was thinking of Chick-fil-A when I first heard that there was going to be some surge pricing. And I thought, there's a Chick-fil-A, kind of like close to me-ish. But the, it, literally that parking lot is filled with people that are all in line for the drive through at this place. Like, it's bonkers when it's busy. And I'm thinking if, they're, if their goal is to even out the amount of people coming, then that makes sense. But I never knew Wendy's to be such a, like, yeah, look how many people are in the drive-thru trying to pick up their Wendy. I don't know. Maybe it is, is the case in some places. I've never seen it. But I have seen some places way too out of control where surge pricing might make sense just to kind of lessen the amount of people sitting in your drive-thru. I wonder if it would work in the morning. 
we all know that Tim's and Starbucks and McDonald's, the places where you can get coffee in the morning, are a mess. What if Tim Hortons announced, hey, listen, if you come through our drive-thru between, say, 6.30 and 8.30 a.m., your coffee's actually going to be about three bucks. If you come through between, say, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., your coffee will be cheaper. It'll be a buck fifty. I wonder how quickly that would change people's habits. Hmm. Yeah, it might. Uh, nothing changes people's habits more than making something more expensive than it was before, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't love this, but they, they say they're going to go ahead and do it as soon as they can get the menu board switched over. They also say they'll be implementing AI-enabled suggestive selling. What the heck is that now? Well, back in the day, it used to be, would you like fries with that? And then it evolved to, would you like to uh. add an apple pie? And now it's going to be these AI things, which are going to know exactly who you are because they're, they're giving out codes and stuff, right? Like when you mm -hmm. go through the McDonald's drive-thru, hey, do you have your code? That's how they know which uh, app is mm -hmm. yours. And, and they can tell your history and they can target you. If they know you're just a sucker who can't say no to mini donuts, it'll suggest, would you like to add some mini donuts oh, to your order? Oh, that's savage but smart. Yeah. It's brilliant like on their part. It's like Google ads, right? Same thing. It knows what you like, so it'll pop up on all the websites. The other food news I wanted to get to is probably one of the more tone-deaf comments I've heard in a long, long time. The CEO of Kellogg's was doing an interview yesterday, and he made an interesting comment. We know that people are struggling. We know there's people who are not eating healthy anymore because they can't afford to. And he suggested, well, you know, the cheapest thing you can eat just have cereal for dinner. Yeah. Coming from a guy who makes $5 yeah. million a year plus <laughs> stocks and bonuses. You know what? <laughs> don't lecture us on how to eat. Well, that was, the, that was the thing that pissed people off, I think, the most. You know what would have been fine is if on their social accounts, because it's generic there, it's not like someone posts from Kellogg's, it's just Kellogg's as a brand. That would have been maybe a smart move marketing-wise. Like, hey, have, have breakfast for dinner, cheap alternative, not necessarily the most nutritional alternative to having a dinner with a lot of other varieties of food. But there's a lot of people who do that, who might have a bowl of cereal and consider that their dinner. So there's nothing wrong with that sentiment. But yeah, coming from this multimillionaire man, here's how you save money, you poor people. Eat my cereal and make me more rich is a bad look. Here's how it sounded. The cereal category is a place that a lot of folks might come to because the, the price of a bowl of cereal with, with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go. Right. I'm all for innovation and marketing, but the idea of having cereal for dinner, um, is there the potential for that to land the wrong way? Uh, we don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well right now, Carl. <laughs> when we look at all of our data, of course we would know that breakfast cereal is the number one choice for in-home consumption. We understand that for breakfast. It turns out that over 25% of our consumption is outside the breakfast occasion. A lot of it's at dinner, and that, that occasion continues to grow, as well as the snacking occasion. But um, cereal for dinner is something that is, is probably more on trend now, and we would expect to continue as that consumer is under pressure. It's just tone deaf. Dude, you make way too much money to be lecturing people, and I'm not even sure that he understands his customers. Oh, 25% of people are eating our cereal outside of breakfast hours. That's because people work all different hours. Three shifts, yeah. asshole. There's yeah. a lot of people who start at yeah. 8, 9 p.m. and they have yep. their breakfast at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know what did occur to me, though? He mentioned an interesting one, and I don't hate this. Snacking. 
I, it's going to cost you more than a dollar to have a bowl of cereal. I think he's using his American numbers there. But sure. either way, yeah. hey, if I can sit, watch TV at night, and have myself a bowl of corn pops, it's probably cheaper than eating a bag of chips. Well, at this point, yeah, it might be they're, for sure. They're charging like six dollars for a bag of Doritos but now. You know what's messed up though? It's like, well, the price of everything is stupid for sure. Chips are one of them, but like I saw a box of cereal, like a regular box, not a Costco size, family size, none of that bullshit, for eleven ninety nine. A box of cereal. Are you freaking kidding me? What is your cereal of choice? Cereal of choice, like regular people's cereal of choice, like like what I should or like if I'm treating myself. Let's do a fun one and a practical one. Okay, so practical, I'm going to do regular cornflakes. Really? For the fun one, cin- Cinnamon Toast Crunch, every time. Cinnamon Toast yeah, Crunch. Yeah, yeah, every time. Great. Octavia, fun one and a serious one. My serious one is probably Shreddies and my fun one would be Count Chocula. Count Chocula. <laughs> you know. eat a lot of cereal, too. I do, yeah. And please donate to her when she does the Polar Plunge this Saturday. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, um, since I was a toddler, I liked Life Cereal. I saw those commercials and Mikey likes it. And I don't know Mikey, but he was right. It's a good cereal. That's a, that's a great cereal. Life is good. My kids like Life. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's your, okay, so that's your regular one. Yeah. Okay, so what's your, like, sugar-filled balls to the walls. I, I hate myself today, so I'm going to have a big old bowl of this one. Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. Yes. Pebbles. Still good. Fruity Pebbles. Still yeah. one of the best ones out there. Fruity Pebbles, I would say Fruity Pebbles over Twix for sure. When you when you look at those categories of like the fruity cereals, some are better than others. They all kind of taste the same, but it's, the shapes make the difference, I think. What about those ones where they try and put like the gross dehydrated fruit in it and tell you that it's good for you? Oh, special case. Special K. Special with, K. Like, yeah, yeah, here's a dehydrated piece of a strawberry and yeah, shit. Are, yeah. are you really getting like a full serving of fruit when you eat a bowl of that? Because I feel I, like you're not even getting that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I tend to look, and I know there's lots of different ways that you can read a nutritional label, but I do tend to look at the, the sugar content, especially in the nutritional label. And some of them you think are healthy, but then you look and it's like 15 grams of sugar per cup. That's a lot. You know, whereas you're looking at like the, I mean, shreddies and stuff are going to be much lower. Um, definitely in single digits. Life, for example, is eight grams of sugar per cup. I don't even understand that. How can there be that much sugar? It's just whole wheat bales of shit. I, I didn't know there they was that much sugar well, in you it. You could see the sugar on it. On yeah, the light? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's why it gives a sweet taste. But that's not even that bad, honestly. I think that there's a lot of cereals that are like 12, 13, 14, 15, probably way more than that. Kat, yesterday we found the cost of hosting just six World Cup matches in Toronto has increased substantially. Initially, when they sold us this idea here, hey, we're going to bid for the World Cup and we're going to co-host it with America and Mexico and we'll play some games in Toronto and, well, would it be at Rogers Center or would it be at BMO Field? And, And they decided on BMO Field, but BMO needed to have some stands put in so that it can hold enough people to watch a World Cup game. We knew that would come at a cost. Okay, that's the cost of hosting the games. When they said it was going to cost $300 million, I almost fainted. Three hundred million dollars to put in some temporary grandstands and put up some roadblocks to make sure that there's parking and and a mm-hmm. tailgate area. Three. That's a lot. Hundred million dollars, <laughs> but that's not all. City staff in Toronto announced yesterday the price has gone up a little bit. It's gone up by eighty million dollars. We're now paying three hundred and eighty million dollars to play six soccer games. 
When you break it down, it's now costing us 63 and a third million dollars per game. Per game. I you know, and I I have no problem with spending money. That's a lot, but spending money in general on things like this, because only when we can utilize it again after. And is that even the case, I would ask? And how much money is it going to bring into the cities? Yeah, I mean, well, see, that's what they always do. Government is so bad at this, and nobody ever calls out their shit. So they'll say, oh, well, we're going to spend $380 million, but we're going to make a billion back in the local economy. That billion back does not equal a billion dollars into the Canada bank account. That's not what that means. That's all in. Some businesses might have had an extra couple of customers in for a coffee or a bagel. Some hotels might have had a few extra rooms sold out. That sort of thing. That's not money back to the taxpayers. And and the craziest thing about this is so far, the province has said they'll spend $97 million. So basically, we'll go three ways with the city of Toronto on okay. this. We'll spend $97 million if the federal government also spends $97 million. This is in Toronto where they just jacked people's taxes an astounding amount of money because apparently mm. they're broke. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know if Doug or Justin's listening, but I don't want it. Stop spending our money on stupid shit. Yeah. Great. I know there's soccer fans out there, and yeah, sure, it'd be cool to see the Canada men's team play, but Vancouver's hosting. Is it Vancouver? Yeah, it's Vancouver. Yeah, it's, there's one over there, yeah. Send all these six games or five games out there. Let's save $380 million, and we all know that that's a pie in the sky number two. It'll be closer to half a billion we're going to spend on this. Let's save half a billion dollars. Let's cut the tax increase and fuck it. We don't need it. Sooner or later, we have to say no. And when these costs go that high, we got to say no. When we hosted the Pan Am Games, we at least got some legacy projects, like you said. Yeah, there were some d- d- all kinds of different places that people still use now in different communities. Yeah, we got uh, pools that were opened, yeah. and there was the velodrome for cyclists there that opened up in Milton, and, and the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. There was some good stuff that came from that. Nothing is coming from this. Yeah. We're not doing anything with this. I don't even think that Ontario I- Line subway is going to be open in time for it. Fuck it. Uh, Cancel the World Cup I in know. Toronto. We cannot afford it. I know that there's people who will be able to project their estimates on how much money it'll bring in, but I'm just trying to think from the point of view of like watching the Olympics, okay? Because this is basically like soccer for the like Olympics. Yep. You know what I mean? They're equal when you're when you're a fan of the of the sport. A lot of eyes are going to be on these games for sure, without a doubt. But how many of that will how much of that will equate to? Hey, I see. I saw Toronto on the television. Holy shit! I'm going to book my trip there. Like, I think that's why they're putting the money in to make it look good. And, and that's all well and good, but do they get the money back? And how long or how many years will it take to get the money back? Because well, I think about when I watch the Olympics in different cities, right? And there's some cities and I watch the Olympics and I think, wow, that'd be nice to visit. Now, I haven't spent any money in those places yet, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that looks good. So travel and tourism dollars are important because it brings money back to the city. But I don't, I don't know if it's going to ever... Break even. I don't know how that works or who's projecting what here or if they're even using their brains. This is going to be a half billion dollar boondoggle at a, a time when we can afford it the least. And I also think that the biggest problem with all of this is they're going to use our taxpayer money to subsidize something that only 30,000 or 35,000 people can go to. And it won't even be affordable for families. If you're no, if you're Bob from Kitchener no. and you got a boy and a girl each playing Timbit soccer and you're thinking, oh, let's go no. to watch a World Cup game. No. Not a fucking chance. And, and the hotels. It's going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars a ticket. Think hotels will be hotels. Th- thousands it's a night. It's going to be insane. 
insanity. We are making some people extremely wealthy off of this, yeah. and we yeah. are getting fleeced as taxpayers. Doug, don't give Toronto a cent for the World Cup. In fact, try and talk him out of it and tell him to cancel. Tell him if you want to run the World Cup in, in Toronto, then Toronto taxpayers should pay for it because this is this is lunacy. I don't know what we get. Like, I don't understand what we get from it. I don't. I like don't I said, either. I don't know what the projections are. I'm not going to pretend I know, but I don't th- I don't see that making sense. Yeah, it's a, a real frustrating thing. Same with the, the transit thing. Yesterday, we talked about the, the new one fare, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of people on the news last night, and I'm happy for people that live in Durham and Brampton and Mississauga and York Region. Hey, great. You've been getting screwed for years. Now you can take the subway and and then you can get on the go and or you can transfer to my way or whatever it is that we have. All these transit systems, it's great. And just pay one fare. Fine. It should have been that way all along. But everybody in Ontario is subsidizing this. Everybody is. And a lot of the people that are paying into this system will never use it. If you live in Ottawa and you're listening, if you live in Timmins, North Bay, if you live in St. Catharines, Niagara, you're probably not going to be able to take advantage of this because those local transit systems were excluded from it. Mm-hmm. But we all pay into it. It's crazy how much money we're spending. Uh, just yesterday, they announced $1.3 billion in new funding for colleges and universities. The colleges and universities are apparently broke. They have lost their cash cow in the international students. And so they've got their hand out to the government and the government's going to give it to them, I guess, whether you have any interest in post-secondary education, whether you've done it, you've decided not to do it. Maybe you have kids that go to school in the States like I do. Doesn't matter. You're getting soaked for $1.3 billion to these in a lot of cases, left wing nutty organizations that are doing nothing to contribute anything. Some of these schools are so high on their, their, I don't even want to go down that road. In any case, I noticed it during COVID. A lot of these are like left-wing nuts. And and I have no interest in supporting these people with my taxpayer money. If I want to support a college or university, I'll send my kid there. And you know what? If you want to send your kid there, go right ahead. But you should pay the cost of it going there. And if the cost is too high, then maybe they're not doing something right. I don't think we should be subsidizing this with taxpayer money. Yeah, it seems weird to me, too. But let me play you just a little bit of the question and answer yesterday with the minister who's in charge of colleges and universities. And maybe after you listen to this, you'll understand a little bit more about why I'm angry about this. Take your questions. This is quite the change of tone. You went from saying that you were going to work hand in hand with the government on this file. And now you're talking about it being a unilateral decision and quite disruptive. So... Yes or no, do you disagree with the government, the federal government's decision to cap uh, international students? Well, thank you very much for the question. And absolutely, the decision was made by the federal government was a unilateral decision with absolutely no consultation with the provinces or the sector. That's not an answer. Do you have a list of, was that a yes or a no? Thank you very much for the question. As I said, I have been very disturbed by the lack of consultation the, the federal government has made. Absolutely no consultation with the provinces, with the sector, but we are working with the sector and I will be responding to the directive that is made by the federal government before the March 31st deadline. Minister, you keep talking about the, the federal government's move about the student visas, but are we not here today responding to the, the Blue Ribbon Panel, which was all about the problems that the province has created in the post-secondary 
sector, the, the tuition freeze that has caused uh, you know stagnant revenues for them and low and very low uh, levels of operating grants. Those are all provincial issues. Well, thank you very much for that that question. No. I don't and think she's very talking about the largest. It's a historic investment, one point three billion dollar package, new funding to support college and universities in this province. You know, I want to thank the Blue Ribbon Panel for the recommendations that were. I'm not even listening to this shit. Mm. Hey, listen. It, we all know that we're paying outrageous interest rates. We are getting just killed by the cost of living here. And one of the biggest contributors to it is government spending. Mm -hmm. Why are we giving $1.3 billion? Why are we spending $380 million on hosting six soccer games? Not even the entire World Cup. Six of the games. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Just wild. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is taking up challenges to state laws that could affect how Facebook, TikTok, X, and other social media platforms regulate content posted by their users. The court is hearing arguments over laws that were adopted in Florida and Texas back in 2021. Those laws aim to address complaints that social media companies were liberal-leaning and censored some users based on their viewpoints, especially on the political right. It's going to the Supreme Court to figure out if it's fair that some voices get censored on social media and other voices don't. Why is this an issue? Why? Nobody should be censored unless you actually break the law, right? I would think. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I would. That's why I'm confused about the censorship thing. Like what exactly? Give me an example of a post. Okay, so somebody posts about uh, what? Give me a social issue. But let's say the World Cup. Hey, I think it's great that we're spending all this taxpayer money because uh, I think we should do this and, and it'll do that and blah, blah, blah. Somebody else disagrees and says, no, it's crazy that we're spending taxpayer money on this when we've got people going to food banks and we, we, we don't have room for people here. We don't even have hotel rooms available for the World Cup because we've got so many homeless people staying in them right now. It's crazy. The way the algorithm goes right now is you might not even see that comment. If it knows you don't interact very well with those kind of comments, it gets pressed way down. Huh. And, and there's a lot of people who have noticed, huh, I really don't see an opposing view. I'm in a weird algorithm right now where I'm getting a weird mix of uh, animal posts and, and really right-leaning shit. On which? Because I find every platform's different. Yeah, so this is X mainly. On X, Although yeah. Although Instagram yeah. seems to have changed their algorithm a little bit lately, They've too. They've got way too many sponsored posts on there. Like, way fucking too many advertisements. There's, there's really zero you can do about it, right? I, do, they have a, do they have a tier where you can pay for it? 
Instagram right now? I believe so. Okay, so that's what they want you to do. No doubt about it. But I feel like I can't scroll through mine without seeing a bunch of things. I don't know these people. Like, what is this? And they're paying to boost their stuff. And I get that. That's advertising and that's money to meta. However, like most of the stuff I see is not anything that I'm subscribed to. That's what frustrates me about that friggin' about Instagram specifically. And Facebook's getting quite bad too. But for the most part, Instagram... Uh, now, whatever TikTok does, their algorithms oh so different, and not nobody can even figure out how they do what they do. So they're a bit of a different animal. But they've got it figured out. They got it figured out. Their algorithm yeah. is brilliant. No, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. They know what they're doing. But let, yeah. let, let me give you a great example because you did ask for an example, and and it's not current. I'll take you back to say let's go back two years. Let's say 2022, maybe even 2021. You'll remember it was COVID, and there was a real concerted push to to get things going in a certain direction. What I'm going to play for you is from The View yesterday. And tell me if you think that this would have been suppressed or shared widely on social media back in the middle of COVID. And the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these children? Who takes them away and shuts it down? And by the way, when they shut it down... They stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested and, in fact, sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch. And referrals dropped 50 to 60 percent. So there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going was, on. They were trying to save They were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died during this. So it wasn't people weren't laying Not around each bond. But, well, you know what? We're mm-hmm. lucky. Maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could be sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And Mm -hmm. that's not an opinion, that's a fact. So Dr. Phil is finding a a real voice for himself talking about how badly we got COVID wrong. Good for him. And I think a lot of people realize the damage that was done to school children. But if you think back, if you had dared to suggest something like that two, three years ago, that would have been suppressed right down. Some people lost their accounts Hmm. over saying stuff like that during COVID. And it's a real slippery slope. So that's the sort of thing that this lawsuit uh, that the Supreme Court is considering is going to hear about is whether or not they are suppressing (sighs) the point of view from the right. Do we have to hear from Mark Zuckerberg again? Because those always go so, so well. You when th- he gets thrown in a in a room full of people questioning him. I find there's two Mark Zuckerbergs. There's a real considerate, thoughtful, pragmatic Mark Zuckerberg that sometimes does okay when he's in front of congressional people. And then there's another one who just goes completely off the rails and says dumb shit during those yeah. congressional hearings. You know, it's, they almost yeah. got to do a little more media training with him. Yesterday, the Online Harms Act was tabled by Canada's Justice Minister. It has proposals including a digital safety commission and a new ombudsperson. This long-promised bill, which goes back to 2019, C-63 is what it's called, is also going to seek to amend the criminal code to introduce stiffer punishments for existing hate propaganda offenses and amend the Canadian Human Rights Act to include online hate speech as discrimination. This proposed law would require companies to take down intimate images shared online without consent and content that sexually victimizes a child. Whew, that's a lot. Okay, so let's, uh, 
let's get into it here. First off, I don't have a problem with a digital ombudsperson in Canada. We, yeah. We've got a privacy commissioner. And it's smart. We've got an auditor. Yeah. We've got all kinds of people. There should be somebody that you can call. Because right now, if, if say, for example, your ex decides to go crazy and post some shit about you online, maybe some nude pictures or mm-hmm. suggestive stuff, nobody's going to answer when you phone Facebook. Nobody's going to answer yeah. when you call X or TikTok or Instagram. They don't do that. But if we had this ombudsperson, you would be able to reach out to their office or to the local police if it's criminal in nature, which I mm-hmm. think it would be after this I law think, passes. And I think that's the purpose of it is more so criminal in nature. Not only will they then advocate for you to get that shit offline, they'll also help you in the process that comes after that, dealing with the person who posted those images, making sure those images don't end up there again. That ombudsman person sounds like a good position that we could really use. Is it just images at this point that we're talking about, or is there info too? Because I've seen my fair share of people spilling the tea about their exes or whatever, and putting a lot of information out there that may or may not even be true. This is the thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I feel strongly that when they say intimate images, it's not just intimate images. It's not just pictures or video. There's a lot of shit that people put out there, sexual in nature, embarrassing, that sort of thing, that causes a lot of of issues and disruption for the Mm -hmm. person they're posting about. And they're not posting it to paint the other person in a good light, they're doing it to be an asshole, to shame them or to embarrass them or get them fired or whatever. I think any of that shit should be offline. If you have some intimate knowledge of somebody that you hooked up with, whether you go online and post a picture of their boobs or their dick, whether you go online and say they got a small dick and whatever. Yeah. It should all fall into the same yeah. realm. Well, and, and it goes kind of goes hand in hand with the conversations we've had about those Facebook groups that we talk about is, is my person a cheater, right? Where they're posting information and photos, but lots of information, very intimate details. Um, and I mean, some of it is leans into the, bu- into bullying grown ass adults. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- so there's certain things I wonder if they'll be added onto it aside from the intimate images. I hope that they do really, really lean into that. So, so far we haven't heard anything in this bill that we don't like, but we're getting there. This bill also seeks to amend the criminal code to introduce stiffer punishments for existing hate propaganda offenses and amend the Canadian Human Rights Code to include online hate speech as discrimination. On the far end of things, they're proposing life in prison for hate speech online. Wow. That would have to be pretty severe hate speech online. Sure, (laughs) it would be. But when you read the definition of what hate speech is in Canada, it's very, very broad. Mm -hmm. I mean... Well, broad but specific at the same time, if that makes sense. If you go back and read it yourself, you'll see what I mean. But, I mean, denying the Holocaust, for example, or trying to minimize the effects of the Holocaust, that falls under hate speech. We have hate laws on the books right now, but you're you're, you're very hard-pressed to find cops who will enforce the law right now when it comes to hate speech. Because in case you haven't noticed, there's people marching down Yonge Street in Toronto and Main Street in every city that are openly calling for the destruction of Jews and and the elimination yeah. of Israel. Yeah, and we yep, yep, yep. It's so true. So so where how how do we trust that that's even good, that action will even be taken here? Yeah, I don't know that it will or will it be taken, but very selectively. Right. Let me give you another example, and I'm not trying to be polarizing here, guys. I swear to God, I'm not. But I'm going to give you a relevant example. We um we have 
hate laws right now that are supposed to prevent people from calling for the destruction of the Jews and the elimination of Israel. That's hate speech. That's something that should be addressed. Nobody seems to be enforcing that, and, and I don't understand why. It's happen, happening openly, mm-hmm. online, and in person. Contrast that, we get somebody who decides to uh, be an asshole and start doing donuts in a pride crosswalk intersection, and not only do you have cops there instantly in a major investigation, you'll get the damn chief of police out there doing a news conference. We don't tolerate this kind of hate. We will track down the person who squealed their tires on this rainbow crosswalk. Are we enforcing the law or are we not enforcing the law is my question. And and people can see that comparison plain as day. And where does freedom of speech fit into hate speech? And that's why I think it needs to be clarified, right? Well, yeah, you're absolutely... Because there's going to be people claiming freedom of speech, even though they're saying things that, in my mind, equal hate speech. Right. And this is the problem with this new Online Harms Act, Bill C-63. They say they're doing it to protect children. If it actually protects children, I'll be surprised, but good. But I don't think there's a single parent out there that once this bill passes is going to be able to go, whew, oh, my kids are safe now. Great. It's not going to give you that safe feeling that the government is trying to make you think you're going to have. Nobody is going to feel like, well, I guess I don't need to have those parental controls on anymore or check in on my kid's iPad because we've got the act there. It's now the law to keep kids safe. No parent, no reasonable parent is going to feel any more safe when this bill passes. You have a lot more recourse if something bad does happen, but there's nothing in here to stop bad things from happening in the first place. So that's it. The other thing is this government has a horrible track record when it comes to suppressing free speech. Do we want these people? Do we want Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland and all those people in Ottawa deciding what is and isn't hate speech? Do we want them to define it? Uh, hey, any day now, Justin Trudeau could come out at the rate he's going and say, if you don't support sending more arms to uh, Ukraine, that's hate speech. Whoa, whoa, what? But when they set the rules, they set the rules. Right. And I just don't think the average person is comfortable with that guy setting the rules. If we could come to some sort of an independent, truly independent, reasonable thinking, smart people to sit down and say, okay, listen. If you say, uh, use that from the river to the sea, that's hate speech. But if you do that, it's not hate speech. If, if we define it, fine, and everybody knows the rules. But right now, if this were in, in effect, how many people would be getting arrested right now if the cops decided to enforce the law when it comes to hate speech? So I, I don't know if we're ever going to agree on what is and isn't hate speech or what should and shouldn't be in the act. I'm glad that we've got the ombudsperson. I'm glad that there's going to be stronger laws around sharing intimate images without consent and things like that. But otherwise, I don't love this government determining what is and isn't hate speech and sending someone to jail for life over hate speech. That seems harsh. I'd love to hear an example of how bad it would have to be for that to happen. One more thing before we go. The uh, weddings were a popular topic Mm. today on the Scott and Cat show. And and I'll tell you why. It's a fairly simple story. Couple sent out a wedding invite. Someone in their friend circle that got an invitation who is clearly not really their friend, they're just an asshole, went on one of the wedding forums where you can shame people over their wedding shit. They posted the invitation there and the invitation had a simple ask. We're excited to celebrate our special day with you. 
blah, blah, blah. We're going on this journey together and you're going to be there. All the hyperbole that goes into a wedding right. invite. Then they, uh, they said, listen, we're going to have a buffet dinner. The caterer needs to be paid in advance to make sure that we put on the best possible spread for you. We're asking every adult who RSVPs yes to include $40. Every child under 12, $20. This will help us make sure that our special day is great for you as well. Mm -hmm. 40 bucks per adult, 20 bucks per kid. And some people are ripping into this couple. Yeah. And I don't understand why. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask now. So not, not in the day that we find ourselves in. I've never heard of it before. This is definitely a first. I've never heard of that happening. I've heard of a non-open bar, if you will, a, a Toonie bar or whatever. And they'll give you a heads up, usually cash bar. They'll maybe they'll tell you specifics of drinks. Maybe they won't. But I've seen that. That's That's, I think, you know, in that realm of paying for things is quite common. I've never seen it for the food. But I will say as a as someone who could be a guest attending that wedding, like if I got that invite that said it, I'd have no problem with it. Yeah, you know what? Well, you RSVP, send us cash in advance. Sure. But I also would be mindful that when I give my gift, which is cash, I don't usually go for the registry present. When I give cash, I am also mindful of the meal that I am covering plus a little bit for them as well on top of that. So I would probably take that out of the out of the meal. I would think like if I'm giving, let's say me, it was my husband and I, so that's 80 bucks, I consider that. So I'd say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit less in this envelope as your gift because I am paying in advance. And that's all this really is, is for them to pay in advance. But we did get some great questions and some great text messages in when we talked about this on the show today. And one of them struck me as a, ah, oh, I didn't think about that. Isn't that what the stag and doe is for? Asks one texter. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know whether this particular couple had a stag and doe or not. Some people opt to not have one. Some people do, but they use it for other things like your honeymoon. I would love to know. Because if you do want to make money, essentially, that's what the stag and doe is for, No. So it does bring up a good question. Again, it wouldn't be enough for me to be like, I'm not doing this. Eh. If I was going to RSVP no to that wedding anyway, sure, I'll say no, and that's fine. But if it's some a friend or family, I'm okay with it. Would I, as a bride-to-be, have, have done this? Probably not, to be quite honest with you, because I'd probably be a little embarrassed to do it. I'll be f fully honest. I don't think I would ever, if I could do it again, I don't think I would do a stag and doe. I don't think they make enough money to justify it. You haul all your family and friends in and, and oh, do you know anybody who's ever been, had a drink? Invite them. And you're trying to fill the fucking place. And they never make enough money to make it worthwhile for I all wonder. the effort you go in. I, you, some of the ones I went to, they definitely did. I was a money counter for some of my friends, and I'm telling you, the ones with the big families, the big Portuguese families and Italian families. European. They, European families were making bank. So I actually disagree with you on that. I'm not sure what it's like now. I wouldn't mind bringing in Octavia because she's at that prime age where I'm sure all of her friends are starting to get engaged and all that fun stuff. Ish. 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 Yeah, Ish. We're, we're just beginning, I think. I've been invited to my first stag and doe. Okay. So I haven't gone yet. I don't... How much are tickets each? I, I wonder if they're the same as they used to be. I think it's 10 bucks a ticket. Okay, that, that's right on par with what it... It always has been like 10 bucks a ticket. Okay. And you get a door prize. You're entered for a door prize right away. Right. There's a like a prize, but it's 25 bucks for like three tickets for the raffle or okay. whatever. So separate so, for the raffle. Okay. Yeah. So now you're up to 35 bucks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But at the same time, I'm assuming that it is going to their wedding and whatever and 
they've been longtime friends, so I'm, sure. yeah. I'm fine to do that. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I used to go to all the second dose. I had no problem with it because those were my friends. And it's, well, and at the same time, it's, I, I mean, I don't know what drinks are going to be there, but if it's just going to be a big party, why not do that instead of going to the bar? Because you know the money's going to those people mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. The uh, Typically, the European cultures... Now they're going big, right? They're doing the whole, hey, it's a banquet hall with a sit-down dinner, and there's going to be a casino and the whole nine yards. And, yeah, they're making money at that just like they might make money at the wedding. But the average run-of-the-mill one where $10 ticket and there's going to be a toonie toss and, oh, buy a raffle ticket. Half the time they have to go out and buy those prizes for the raffle anyway. So that eats into your cost. Maybe you have to pay the cost well, of the venue. It's your, usually it's your bridesmaid and your groomsman paying for all that, by the way. I've had to buy so many of those through the years as well. Right. So all that, uh, is it an open bar, a cash bar? Oh, it's a cash bar, but we got to supply the booze. The whole thing just turns into more hassle than it's worth, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Uh, don't let me stop anybody from doing it if you want to. Money is money, and... It's, maybe you make a thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks or whatever it is profit that night. Great, that's twelve hundred more than you had. It just seems like a lot of effort, and you got to call your friends and family in again and have your hand out, and then you're going to do it again when you actually get married. It just doesn't seem necessary to me. But in the case of this couple, it's expensive to get married, and and if somebody wants to get married, they want to get married. Sure, you could do it low key. You could do the city hall thing and probably get it done for nothing. Mm-hmm. But. I also think everybody wants to have a wedding. And what that wedding looks like is totally up to you and your partner. Have a great time, whatever you do. If you want to have the the banquet hall with even a buffet dinner or something like that, sure. I mean, the cost of these banquet halls right now is so staggering that I don't blame people for asking for a simple 20 bucks for a kid, 40 bucks for an adult. The prices are out of control yeah, for are. people. They're really bad. And I mean, when it comes to the bar, not only do I not have a problem with these, I wouldn't do it, but I don't have a problem with these people doing it or anybody doing it. Ask for a little contribution. If I go out for dinner, it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than $40. So I'm happy to give you $40 for an all-you-can-eat buffet. Where else do you get that deal? Mm-hmm. That's great. I've also thought a few times, maybe it's time to do the uh, take away the unlimited bar and go with drink tickets. Hey, come on to the wedding. We're bringing you in and we're going to give you a nice meal and there's going to be wine on the table. And if you want some other drinks, no problem. Here's four of them on us. If you need more than four drinks in three hours, you're buying the rest of them. I would have no problem doing that either. It makes sense because you have to keep an inventory. I had an open bar at my wedding and my friends are assholes. They rung up a bar tab that I'm surprised I paid it off. It was insanity. Mine was an open bar in Vegas. Oh, shit. Think about those prices. Okay, well, you had a... But a smaller group. It was 50 50 people. Yeah. If you're inviting, say, 100 people to your wedding, and... It's a good... It adds up. Yeah. If everybody has four drinks, you just bought 400 drinks. If you were in a bar, they'd put up a fucking statue of you for buying 400 drinks. Yeah. Maybe 400 is where you say... I'll pay for 400 drinks, and if these people drink more than that, it's on them. Yeah. It'd be good for budgeting purposes. I think people need to get real smart about how they're spending their money, if they're going to spend any money at all on a wedding. And I have no problem with stuff like this. It's kind of the way things are going. Yeah, you might be asked for a little contribution for your meal. Yeah, you might get asked to pay for a cash bar or whatever. Otherwise, people can't afford it anymore, and everyone's Mm -hmm. entitled to one wedding.
Yeah. I said one wedding. One wedding. Everything after that is maybe you do, maybe you don't. How do you? Where do you sit, by the way? Your kids are not like getting married anytime soon, soon, but they are getting up there. They're getting close-ish to the that age group. Because you know what ends up happening is parents want to do a bigger party than the kids sometimes. You know that's the, that happened with some of my friends. They didn't even want 200 people at their wedding. They wanted a small wedding, but oh no. But I guess if mom and dad are footing the bill, then who cares? Yeah, if mom and dad are paying for it, I don't give a shit. Go ahead and pay for whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, when my kids get married, we're going to have a talk about finances and practicality. Yeah. I would think I'd had that talk too. I, I hate destination weddings, to be honest with you. I've been to a number of them. One of them I had an amazing time at. The rest of them, it was miserable because I don't want to go away on somebody else's vacation schedule. I want to go away when I want to go away. And, and you can only get away so often. So I don't like destination weddings, but frankly... If that's what makes more sense financially, do it. Then just do it. And, and you know what? I mean, it's great that we've got all these banquet halls that are all beautiful and Romanesque and things like that. But it's the exact same at the Legion, exact same at the community center. I'm okay with that, too. People need someone's to be able backyard. to- Someone's I've backyard. Someone's backyard. I've some beautiful backyard weddings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. My backyard would be great for weddings. Oh, sure would, yeah. Octavia, when you're ready, Scott wants to host your wedding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with this. <laughs> As long as I get a discount yep. of some sort, I'm good. <laughs> First drink is free for everybody. Uh, okay, we got to go, everybody. We went a little long here, but thank you for listening to After 9. We'll have a brand new episode tomorrow. Bye, friends. Lawmakers in Germany voted last week to decriminalize possession of marijuana, though there is concern that this could lead to Germans showing up to work only five minutes early. <laughs> KFC launched its new chicken pizza hybrid called Chitza. Here's a photo of it. Look at this. Yeah. Oh. I don't know about you, but if there's one word I don't want to see on a menu, it's hybrid. <laughs> Not to be outdone, Domino's just introduced boneless pizza. Guinness World Records recently confirmed that the world's oldest dog title has been revoked from a dog in Portugal after an investigation discovered that there was no conclusive evidence of the animal's age. The good news for the dog is he has no idea that any of this even happened. <laughs>